think you have life figured out? I never feel like I got life figured out. Men have to figure out what they have to do. If you really have an obsession to figure it out, you will figure it out. Figure out who you are. Don't apologize for who you are and then become even greater than you naturally are at what you are. Well, welcome everybody to the Fitfo Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Verdusco. Just a regular dad going on a journey of growth to try to figure this whole parenting thing out. Uh, today, my guest is Matthew Parvis. He's the co-founder and CEO of the growing DTC brand, Fresh Clean Teas, and more importantly, a father to his young son, Frankie. So welcome to the pod. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, re- really excited to be here and, uh, and excited to chat today. Uh, well, I appreciate it, man. Just getting something started to have somebody like you as one of the founding guests, something I greatly appreciate. Um, and hopefully today, you know, you're going to be able to help us figure out not only how to launch a successful direct-to-consumer brand, because I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there during the pandemic, they're thinking about what are some side hustles and interests that I can get into. And obviously, you've been able to turn that into a full-time gig. Uh, how to balance doing that while being a father, which I think is so important uh, and, and pretty, you you know, tough to handle. But the the interesting fact is doing it with your significant other, Melissa. Yeah. Um, so lots of things I look forward to get into, but I think it'd be fun to just, yeah, hear the origin story. Like, sure. tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to be. Yeah. So, um, you know, starting Fresh Clean Teas, I, I like how you mentioned, like a lot of people are trying to start businesses to just make a few extra bucks. Right. And, and, and that, that is the boat that Melissa and I were both in when we started Fresh Clean Teas. Um, I, I had kind of was on year 10 of a career in the online poker industry, um, managing a number of, um, content sites that covered the poker world essentially so we were like the espn for poker it was called pokernews.com um i felt like um working in the poker industry as a 20 something was probably one of the coolest things you could possibly do um you know traveling the world and going to vegas and spending time with like all of the poker players that you see on on television was it felt like the dream and then it felt like the dream until it wasn't. Mm. And then you start getting to the point where you're you're on the road all the time. You know, you're in an industry that is really, really challenging and, and facing a lot of legislative and, and uh, regulatory pressures and um, was just feeling a lot of stagnation in, in my career in general. And, and a lot of my creativity, which kind of feel like I come from more of a creative uh, way of doing things, a creative background, I didn't feel like I was able to do the things that I wanted to do creatively in my life. Um, and on the flip side, Melissa um, worked in the apparel industry. So she was a technical designer and product developer for companies like Hurley and Billabong. And um, and then she actually made her way out to Las Vegas, working for one of the largest um, screen printers in the country, helping them develop product for Disney and Tough Mudder and UFC and um, so, so we met in Las Vegas kind of on these, you know, our, our both standard everyday careers, so to speak, you know, if you consider working in, uh, in poker, a standard everyday career. Um, and, you know, when we started thinking about hobby projects, it was about a year after we had been married and uh, we, had, we were on a vacation. We were in, we were in Kauai, in, in Hawaii. Beautiful. And, I had just gone through this phase where Melissa was developing a product for one of their clients 
And they were really like picky about the t-shirt blank that they were using. Hmm. And I would, I, I mean, what I'm wearing today is like pretty like par for the course. I'm usually in a black crew neck, a black V-neck, a black Henley, black polo. I'm kind of like, like a black style. t-shirt type of guy, right? And so I was buying t-shirts from, you know, Forever 21, department stores, H&M, Target, all of your kind of like, you know, general places that guys buy t-shirts. And there was just this like wild inconsistency from like one month to the next as to if I found a t-shirt that I loved, you know, at, at Target in January, I went back in like, you know, June, it was totally different. And um, so I started kind of working as a guinea pig for some of Melissa's other clients to test out various blanks for their clients and um, started realizing like, hey, this is pretty cool. Like I can just order my t-shirts from Melissa yeah. <laughs> through her, through her uh, like wholesalers and they were all fitting the same. They like they they felt the same. They were soft. They were comfortable, and they uh, and they were were cost effective. And so, when we were on this trip, thinking about you know what can we do to start a business, we had a few things in mind. We wanted a we wanted to make sure that it wasn't something that was going to be like super niche, right? Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to know that there was going to be a market for this business. B, we wanted it to be something that we knew a little bit about, right? We we didn't we didn't want to start a business and like have to learn all about you know a wildly new industry and and kind of new concepts. And then the third, this was like you know almost eight years ago, so it was at the height of the Dollar Shave Club, hmm. and we thought like, oh, it'd be really cool to find something that has a subscription element. And right. I looked in my suitcase, Melissa. We, we started talking about like this is really neat, like all these shirts are slightly different colors because I was on vacation. So I was out of my comfort zone and with like white t-shirts and gray. Switching and blue, out of the black. Red and, um, and you know, it'd be really neat if we could figure out a way to replicate, you know, this Dollar Shave Club model for men's t-shirts. Um, and, and that is essentially the, the birth of the idea. It has since taken on, you know, many, many ideations and changes. And, you know, it's certainly not just a like t-shirt every month sort of business. It, it really is a, a men's apparel business today. Um, but, at, but at its core, we were trying to create a hobby, hobby project that kind of fused both of our, uh, you know, skill sets into one where we could, you know, maybe make a few extra dollars and do something that would be like a creative outlet for us both. And so you said that was about eight years ago? Yeah, that was eight years ago. So how long into that journey did you become like full-time, this was it? Yeah. So I think the transition happened a little bit faster for Melissa. Hmm. Um, You know, I'd say within two years, she was really working full-time on the business with a few other like small consulting um, gigs that she had on the side. But, but I mean, Melissa was doing everything from, you know, helping actually develop the product to, you know, we were storing all the, the t-shirts in our, in our garage. She was packing every single order. Um, and, and I was really focused on, so she was doing all product and operations. Mm. I was running marketing and kind of finance. And so it was a little bit easier for me to, to still work a full-time job specifically because I worked remotely. Um, so I worked a full-time job that was really, really had an early start because the company was based overseas. And so I would start my day at like, you know, six, six thirty AM, you know, be done with my kind of like day to day 
by three and then have a few hours to kind of like grind on figuring out various kind of you know, new marketing channels or, or ad concepts or actually trying to figure out like how Facebook ads work in general, um, because it was really just trial and error and, and reading a bunch of case studies and blog posts. And, you know, every every week it was let's try something new, hope that something sticks and, and, uh, and move forward. I left like a full time job, I'd say after about three years, still maintain some part time kind of consulting work, but but I've been really full time uh, with Fresh Lean Teas for about four years now. Nice. So a couple thoughts going off of that. So first of all, how did you guys come up with the name? Like, where did that originate? You know, I think I, I, I people ask us this a lot and I don't know the exact answer. Yeah. All I know is, is that when we were when we had come up with the idea for the business, we just started looking at domain names that same day. Like, you know, whether it was like Dollar Tea Club, which we didn't want that to be the connotation. And we also didn't feel like comfortable with it. So we just started putting in all sorts of various kind of like T-shirt based kind of fun um, concepts. And, and I remember, um, I do remember when we saw that fresh clean teas was available, I was like, I don't know if this is it, but I know that we should buy this in case this is it. And so we just got the domain and, and this was in May, I think of 2015. And we really didn't launch until in November, um, of, of that same year. So there was a few months that went by where it was still just a domain name mm. parked somewhere where we were on the fence about whether we should actually pull the trigger and, and do something. Yeah, I remember back in the day, that was kind of like the thing is, if you have an idea, just go buy the domain name. I we'll see what happens. Domains. Yeah. yeah, I have, I still have probably dozens and dozens of domains for business ideas that I will never launch that are sitting there just because I refuse to let them go. What's the most <laughs> ridiculous one? Can you remember? Uh, yes, I do remember. Uh, it was a business that uh, my my best friend Matt Brown and I were going to work on, um, and it was it was called ReverendMonkey.com, and um, it, it is the dumbest idea that you can imagine. But when you're in your twenties, you come up with a lot of dumb ideas, and we had this like like toy monkey, and it was this really funny. Um, we had seen a bunch of people just like applying online to become a reverend to like marry people. Oh. And we thought like, oh, it'd be really funny if we like took photos of this monkey, made him look like, you know, some sort of like monkey that's there to marry you, bought a, a web domain for it. And then people that were not sure about like who should marry them, they could get Reverend Monkey to, to, um, to marry them. So a completely insane and ridiculous idea, but that domain name is one that I, uh, I, I don't think that I have any longer. Actually, I might've let that one slide, but that was definitely the most ridiculous domain name I've ever purchased. That is too good. I was going to say, you might have to kick that back up, but I think you probably made the right decision you know, in the, the route that you did. So for individuals, you know, that may be thinking to go this route, right? You talked about Facebook ads and trying to learn how to, to figure that out, right? Just lots of blogs and Googling, but how about financially? Like how much capital did you guys initially put into this? It sounds like it was mostly bootstrap based off of what I've learned, but we'd love to just get educated on, you know, where does somebody start if they want to try this? Yeah, we, we did bootstrap everything. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think outside of like the, you know, purchasing the LLC and the domains, you're talking about an investment of under $5,000 for us to get started. Wow. Um, you know, thankfully again, because, we had a really um, solid foundation within the apparel industry with Melissa. Hmm. We were able to 
you know, purchase and develop like a very small quantity of shirts to get started, which I think is really hard to do if we did not have Melissa, you know, who had connections within the apparel space, right? That, that, that clearly helped out. And so while we didn't invest a ton of capital to get started, we did invest like a ton of our own personal capital being relationships that were driven or, um, you know, leveraging our time and leveraging our, our network to really help us kick off in a way that allowed us to stick, like keep that overhead really low as we got started. And, and ultimately, you know, for, for people that are out there trying to start businesses, it's like, it's really tough to get off the ground. Right. And knowing that we had income coming in through, you know, our, our various, you know, both of our, our primary careers and then consulting jobs, was really critical because it allows you to not take any money out of the business and you're really just reinvesting as you are moving forward, which is so critical when you're small, because, you know, if you're making, let's say even like, I don't know, I don't think we made a thousand bucks a month until like, you know, six months in, but if you're taking all of that money right out to pay yourself, you have nothing that can go back in and, and actually like, create the growth engine, which, which is so, so mission critical. Right. You've got to be able to reinvest those. So that way you can continue to, to grow the business. And yeah, I think if you're starting something out, you got to realize like, you know, you're not trying to make money off of this at first. If you want to do it right, you're going to have to continue to just put it right back into the business a little bit. So, and I probably should have prefaced this a little bit earlier for the individuals that aren't familiar is it mostly t-shirts? I know things have expanded a little bit, obviously be uh, a customer myself, but maybe you can tell, you know, what are you yeah. guys focusing on selling now? I mean, we are, I'd say primarily t-shirts. So it's, it's crew necks and v-necks are our bread and butter. We, we have, I think like, you know, one of the best fitting, most comfortable uh, and, and, and affordable men's t-shirts in, I would say the world at this point. Um, it is, um, really, really versatile. So, I mean, we have guys that wear them working out. We have guys that wear them on dates, go to, go to work in them. So it's, it is a step up from your generic undershirt, but it is also not a ridiculously expensive t-shirt that, you know, I, there's definitely a market for it. I have expensive t-shirts also, yeah. but I don't, I need an everyday t-shirt, right? And, and I think that's what, what we're really great at is, is a great everyday t-shirt. That has now expanded to the point where we've got, you know, long sleeve t-shirts, we've got hoodies, zip ups, jackets, um, polos, you know, a variety of kind of new types of, of t-shirts that are, you know, maybe a bit more elevated if you're, um, you know, looking for a bit more of a modern or a slim fitted look. So we're, we're really kind of growing out of that core and, um, and actually, you know, fresh clean teas, which is really exciting. And this is actually coming out uh, publicly in the next, I'd say like six weeks or so, but definitely comfortable to start sharing it. Fresh Clean Tees is going to be relaunching as Fresh Clean Threads in the in the coming month. So nice. um, our customers want more products from us. Um, they've given us a ton of permission to play. They want joggers, they want pants, they want you know shorts. And so um, we are, are excited to start delivering uh, a bit more of that to our customers. You know, right now you can buy socks from us, and we have underwear coming out in the fall. So Fresh Clean Threads is, is going to be the, the next iteration uh, of, of, our, of our business 
baby, so to speak. <laughs> wow, did we just break a wash bomb? Uh, I feel like I mean, I'm in the NBA, you know, maybe call me Adam Schefter. I mean, it, it's definitely one of the, the first kind of public mentions of Fresh Clean Threads, but I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we, we can't wait to kind of unleash the new brand on the world. Oh, well, I can't wait to check it out, man. Obviously, you can tell I'm loving the threads. Uh, first purchase, to be honest, like after we got connected, I had to check them out and, you know, see if it's something I can get behind and I'm loving it. Uh, I will okay. say that the everyday shirt is what's so important, right? Because, you know, now like you and I, like with young kids, I was living in, are you familiar with the brand Cuts? If I say that? Yep. Yeah. So, sure, of course. Yeah. Um, another San Diego base or started there, right? Another guy from San Diego State. But it was, that's, you know, was my go to, right? It looks good when you go out to date night. You can dress it up for business casual, but they're a little bit more expensive, right? It's uh, that next level for some of their stuff. And when you got kids sitting on your lap and they want to have lunch or dinner with you on every. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dude, all of them got grease stains, every shirt. So while I love this because it still fits well like that, uh, but yeah. It's also something that's at the price point where it's you don't feel bad anytime you got to go get another one. For sure, yeah, and, and and that's the thing is like you know we we love cuts. I think that they do a fantastic job of of you know creating that sort of work leisure, which which is their kind of sweet spot, right? Um, and I I think that there's a ton of guys that want to feel that, but really you know it, it, the price points are are very very different, and yeah. that that feeling that. You know, like you said, if you have you have a young child, like who knows what can happen on a given day, right? And if you ruin a fresh clean tea, like yeah, like you'll be bummed, but it is not the end of the world because you know that you've got like four or five more in your closet. And so, you know, re we've really become kind of, um, you know, I think that we have a ton of dads. Like, you know, I, I look at like our customer profile and our, on our tag Instagram. And there are just so many dads that, um, you know, we see wearing fresh lean tees and, um, you know, they're really flattering for all body types. And so it's a great dad shirt, really. <laughs> it really is. I mean, this is probably the target demographic. I don't know if that's what it was, you know, destined to be when you guys first started it out, but I will definitely keep repping it because it, it does fit the everyday dad. That's for sure. So another area that I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, as you guys are expanding now, you know, kind of changing gears a little bit, is the the clothing line coming to the women's side? Are you going into the toddler space? Like how, what's the next evolution? And maybe you don't want to share it just yet until you launch, but. Uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're exploring of like, we're constantly exploring how we can evolve as a business and how we can service, um, you know, either our existing customers or prospective customers that have had touch points with the brand. Um, you know, a, a significant percentage of our customers today are women that are purchasing for their husbands or their boyfriends or their sons or their friends and family, right? And so we, we do want to have an offering for women. We've been working on it, but we are are so focused on making sure that when we do come out with a women's line that it is the same comfort the same fit the same level of of consistency that we've been able to to create with our men's line um and so obviously as you're scaling you know, the things that you could be really flexible and pivot and, and and just like use instinct when you're you know a husband and wife team working out of your your guest bedroom it's a lot harder when you're, you know, a team of 35, 40 employees um, and you've got to put in significant investment 
into any new product launch. So, um, you know, I, I will say that women's is, is probably in the works. Um, toddlers and kids are something that we've, we've always talked about, mm. but it is a very different marketplace and a, and a really challenging one from a like business and, and economic standpoint. So um, it's one that I thought would be really easy to tap into, to be offering like, you know, kids and toddler shirts. And it's a bit more, uh, more complex. And so we are, are taking one step at a time as we kind of move from men to, to women and then potentially children down the road. Oh, well, smart. You got a good thing going. It's like, why rush get into that next market space when, you know, what you're doing is working and you guys continue to, to improve there. So what about like the iterations? How many times did it take you to perfect this shirt? I mean, this is a good fitting shirt. Uh, it's still being iterated, Brian. It, yeah. it, is, it is a nonstop evolution of, of a product. And I think that if you sit on something um, forever, it will, uh, you know, it will go bad at some point, no matter how good of the product, like how great of a product you can make. I mean, we are, we are doing everything in our power to a become a more sustainable and eco-friendly brand. So, so that's like at the core of our development right now is how can we take, you know, what we are doing and the shirt that we have on, you know, all of our customers today and create the same level of comfort, the same level of consistency, the same great fit that guys are used to, but make it great for the environment. So, you know, what, what we like to say is like, you know, we feel that we've made the world's best t-shirt, but now we want to make the best t-shirt for the world um, and, and do it at a price point that is not creating friction, you know, so that when you're checking out, you're like, uh, do I want to spend a bunch of money more and be great for the environment? Or do I want to like, be cognizant of, of where my spend is going. So we want to make that choice like irrelevant because we want to do it you know, with, with cost in, in mind and making sure that we're not creating a, uh, a large increase off of our existing t-shirt. We, we, we had kind of version 1.0 of what we call our EcoFresh t-shirt, which is, which is live right now on the site. It, it does use different raw materials. So it uses like a, a, a modal and organic cotton versus like our standard kind of Stratosoft, which is like a proprietary blend of cotton and, and polyester with some of our um, softening techniques that we use to ensure that the fit and feel. Um, and, and really the game plan is, is like, how can we find that exact kind of same great fit, but also do it sustainably? So that that is at the crux of all of our development right now. Um, and on top of that, you know, we are, you know, we have customers coming into the office regularly. Mm. We've got focus groups regularly and we're constantly tweaking and, and trying to perfect the, the fit of, of our, of our shirts. Yeah. I, I like the eco-friendly aspect of it. I, one of those, the first order that I got was definitely one of those shirts because it's tough to find, you know, yeah. I know it's just organic cotton. Some people might think, but it's more than that, right? The sustainability and being able to be good for the environment. You know, you want to feel good of what you're putting on your body, but also, you know, what you're putting out there into the world. So, and you know, you wear your shirt and your clothes every day, right? Why not start there? Um, and as we think about, you know, the future for our little ones, I mean, that's something that now I probably didn't think about or care about five years ago. You you know, but it is something that's top of mind now. And, you know, the organic, you know, what you're putting on your body, I mean, you know, your skin is your biggest organ. So you want to make sure you're taking care of it, too. And, and also, I mean, without digging too deep, but I think that like becoming a father, you start to recognize like, you know, my son 
you know, what he's going to do with his life, right? And you start thinking about all of the various people that go into creating what we've built at Fresh Clean Teas. And it's more than our 30, 35 employees. It's it's more than our, you know, agencies and, and vendors. It's, you know, it's real people that are working in factories around the world that are cutting and sewing and farming and, you know, boxing and distributing our, our shirts. And for us, it was really important to not have this like curtain up that, right. you know, we want to be blind to every piece of product that's coming to our warehouse and coming to San Diego. Um, because ultimately on the other side of that curtain, there are people with real lives. Right. And, and it, it's been very, very important for Melissa and I, and I think the entire organization to ensure that, you know, the relationships that we have with our factories and our vendors and our suppliers, and, you know, whether they're from our mills or whether the cut and sew factories, you know, that we have relationships with those folks that are there. And we see that the folks that are, that are manufacturing the shirts that you're wearing are treated fairly. They're paid fairly, you know, they're in good conditions and, and they're, it, it's sad to say, but the apparel industry in general, there's a lot of factories out there that like, you know, if you stepped foot into some of these factories around the world, like you would be mortified to really? know that you're wearing clothing that is like, you know, been been cut and sewn in, in factories around the world. And so I think there's, you know, you look at a majority of the companies today, you know, the, the major corporations are all doing things the right way, right? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They're like ethically sourcing their their goods. They're working with factories that use like really that are, are certified. And so we've we've made a really conscious choice to make sure that we feel really confident with our partners because you know, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and we've got to tell a story to our son as to how we're building our company. And we want to make sure that that he and, and all of our customers know that we're doing it like as with integrity and, and in a way that we feel proud of um, every step of the way. And so um, Melissa is actually, you know, toured, I believe, every single one of our factories personally. Um, it's been a big challenge to dad here at home who has to, uh, you know, we, we, we have to like, you know, pick and choose our battles. And she, she manages product for the most part and, um, and goes, goes to these factories while well, I, I play dad, uh, you know, stay at home dad and with, with the help of a lot, a lot of great caregivers as well. Well, I really appreciate that you shared that because not a lot of people are that transparent about it and, you know, how much they go into, you know, what's behind the scenes uh, of what decisions you're making and the product quality. And I'm sure we've all got, you know, that Instagram purchase that we saw and we're like, where did this even come from? Like, you know, it gets here, it's a different size. It's nothing like what you you know had expected. And, you know, just to know that it's something we can trust what you guys are creating. So I thought there would be a fun way to transition. You talked about your wife and playing dad. Like, I got to admit, the, maybe the most impressive feat of what you've been able to accomplish is doing this side by side, co-mingling with your spouse to be, to be able to build something like this. And, you know, for me and my wife, we've definitely started to align on a lot of different things. We're like, maybe we can turn this into a little bit of a side business or a side hustle. But uh, we are worried that, you know, the relationship might change if you do that. So maybe you can tell us, you know, how have you guys been able to maintain that and just, you know, what's been so fun about being able to do it together? We've gotten this question a lot. And I think people are really surprised that like mm. we have a very friction free relationship. Um, but we approach our relationship. We approach 
parenting and we approach our business the same, right? We are a team in the way that we go um, about our day, you know, or, or, or parenting or, or the business, you know, we align, you know, I think behind closed doors, a lot of, you know, when you're, when you're early on in the business, it's easier. There are no closed doors, right? Everybody's in the room, but, but today, you know, with, with a group of employees, like we align on everything behind closed doors and make sure that we're both really comfortable with whatever direction we're trying to take. Um, you know, I would not say that it is, we don't always share the same opinion. Um, but I believe that we have a, a team mentality when it comes to sharing our opinions with each other. We, we try to keep things, um, you know, respectful at all times. I think that that's like really crucial. Like, you know, we, we just don't really argue very much. Um, and, and that's with our marriage and that's with our business. And, and that's now with, with our son, Frankie. I mean, we, we take a team approach. Um, you know, we, we talk through challenges together. We come up with solutions together. Um, and then we plow forward. Um, and we try to, when at all possible, if there is like a disagreement, um, you know, we hash it out in a way that, you know, keeps things cool and allows us to still understand that like, Hey, look, we're trying to, we're trying to get to the same place at the end of this, you might have a different opinion on how we get there. And I might have a different opinion on how we get there, but we're trying to get to the same place. So, so let's try to find some common ground here. And I think it's all built on just mutual respect for one another. Like we've been through it long enough. You know, we've been together for 10 years. We've been married. Um, we've been married for eight years. Congratulations. Uh, nine, and ultimately, you know, it comes with that mutual respect and, and really just treating your partner, um, you know, in a way that you feel like you want to be treated. And, and it sounds so simplistic, right? But but ultimately, that is is the way that we've been able to navigate that kind of side of the relationship. And, and she's not here today, but like, right, the de- we have a two-person office. Melissa's desk is right next to mine. So we share an office, you know, we, we co-parent obviously we're, we're married. Like we, we are a team. And so we, we battle through everything as a team. And, um, I could not be more proud, um, to have, you know, my wife, Melissa as, as my partner and as my wife, uh, and as my best friend and everything that we do. Dude, that's, uh, I don't even know if I want to let my life, my wife listen to that comment. (laughs) That was uh, something beautiful, man. I think that's the the cool part about it is hearing that, you know, it's mutual respect. It's the same thing about building a good relationship with your spouse, you know, from just being, you know, husband and wife and being parents, but to be able to take that over into the business world. And I can only assume what like dinner's like, you know, talking over, um, you know, with Frankie there too, for him to see that, to be able to talk about, you know, the problems, the struggles, the good things, the ideas. Um, he's having high level conversations that he's probably not catching on to <laughs> just yet, but fun for him to be a part of. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a lot of fun. I mean, we, we, we keep a really rigid schedule throughout the course of the day, right? What does so that we look have, like? We have a fantastic, um, you know, daily caregiver for for Frankie that helps us out between eight and four. Um, And so typically, you know, one of us will leave the house probably closer to seven uh, to get, you know, get a quick workout in, go to the gym, 
um, you know, I'll, I'll go for a run. So we kind of balance that off. And then as soon as um, our, our caregiver Skylar gets to the house, then the other one kind of gets their, you know, workout in or, or gets to the office. Um, we're typically both at the office, you know, by around nine um, and we get whatever the critical pieces of the, of the day look like, you know, those in-person meetings that are so critical at this stage of our business, you know, that gets done between nine and, and, you know, three 30. And we typically have a really hard stop at like three 30, three 45, because one of us has to get home to um, spend, you know, between four and bedtime, which is like seven 30 with Frankie. And so, um, and typically if, if someone's home by four, you know, the other one of us is home by, you know, 4.30 or 5. So, you know, we, we maintain that team aspect. It's not like I get home at 4, you stay at the office till 7, right. and then you put Frankie to bed and I don't see him, and then, you know, we, we reverse. We, you know, that schedule, I think, allows us to keep balance with our life. And we created this business to have work-life balance. We didn't want to be like, you know, tied to a desk working for, you know, a, a, you know, working a career that we, we were not excited about. We wanted to be able to kind of travel when we wanted to, or, you know, go play golf or go surf in the morning or do, do other things and enjoy living in San Diego. And so that having Frankie has allowed us as the business has been in this like hyperscale mode, allowed us to keep that structure because really it's that like, as soon as we're home, that four o'clock time becomes like family time. And we, you know, we walk the dogs together and, you know, we have dinner if we can together. Sometimes he eats a little earlier, then he goes down to bed. And then Melissa and I will then typically have our like, you know, seven, seven thirty, whether it's like a glass of wine or, or some dinner, that's where, you know, the lingering pieces of the day with the business will come back and we'll kind of deal with, okay, we've got this issue going on. Like we've got this meeting tomorrow. How do we want to tackle this so that we're on the same page so that, you know, when the morning comes, you know, it's not a surprise that like Melissa wants to go one direction and, you know, I'm either kind of in that same camp or, or, uh, or have a, you know, consenting or, or, or dissenting opinion. You know, what we try to do is like, Hey, what are the issues? What's going on? What's going on on your side of the business? I'll tell you what's going on on my side of the business. So then we get to the point where we have that like full kind of scope. We call it our like, you know, it's it's a mini board meeting um, a, a lot of the a lot of the week. So, um, but it ultimately that you know four to to seven o'clock that becomes our family time where we make sure that you know even though we're growing this like you know business at a, at a crazy pace which is so fun and it's so exciting and i think it, it it would be easy to get carried away and stay at the office until 11 o'clock there's always something to do but that balance really keeps us grounded and it reminds us like we wanted to have a family we wanted to have this work-life balance so like we've got to commit to that mm -hmm. just like you've got to commit to your your team you know we're we're your partnership, you've got to commit to your your son or your your daughter, and you we've made a commitment to our family, and uh, we commit to our employees that like when we're in the office, and you know probably twenty three of the other hours of the day we're constantly thinking about the business, so it it really just comes down to that kind of commitment to to family and making sure that there is that balance.
Yeah, I respect that so much. And having those boundaries to be able to say, like, here's when we're stopping. Here's when we're going to commit to the family time. And then being able to, you know, later on to have a glass of wine, talk some business with uh, your spouse and co-founder. It's probably pretty fun. So what's the biggest thing you wish you would have told yourself before? Like anything that you two, before going on on this together, that Mm -hmm. if I was to have something up front with my wife, any advice there? I think that like it's important to, and we've done this, so I, I, it's kind of like advice that is, is very smart, but I, I think it's really valid, is to have some semblance of, you know, uh, of self with within your roles, right? So like, mm. you know, Melissa focused on product, right? Like that, that was what she is great at. And, and then I focused on the marketing, that that is what I was great at. And we don't really like get in each other's way too much there. And so I think that that's number one. And I think the second piece is like, be prepared that, especially if you're scaling a business, like there are, uh, are cycles of the business, I think, or, or like, you know, tears that you go through. It's like the first couple of years, I think are like maniacally difficult because mm-hmm. of the fact that you're typically working a job and also doing the, the kind of the side hustle. And then the business enters the second phase where you're making some money and it's the business is supporting itself, but you've got nobody that's like, that that you have, there's very few employees or, or no employees in, in our case for a few years. So you have no one to answer to, right? And that is, I think like one of the, the, the sweet spots that right. you can be in as a business owner. And there are times that I look back and think like, man, like we should have just maintained this as a lifestyle business because it's far easier, right? To like have a business that's that's successful. It's making a bunch of money. Um, You're supporting yourself. You can travel wherever you want to go. You have no office, very little, you know, overhead and commitment. Um, But as you start to kind of enter this new trajectory, right? Like, you know, we made a decision after about five years of doing business, you know, of bootstrapping everything. We, we worked and partnered with a, you know, a growth VC to kind of take ourselves to the next level. And that just catapulted and kicked us in the butt a little bit with like a whole new set of challenges. And that is means employees and stakeholders and, you know, investors. And, you know, there are people that you, you are responsible for, right. As you grow your business and as you grow employees, you are responsible for their livelihood. And that is a different set of pressures that you have to feel than, you know, if it is just making sure that Melissa and I are, you know, and have have food on the table and, and a house and a roof over our heads and are able to, you know, start a family and, and start a comfortable life. You know, that sweet spot is really fun. And I, I just think it's important for like people out there that are trying to start a business to, to have in their mindset, like what kind of business do you want to start? Do you want to have a, a, like a nice lifestyle business where, you know, you have no major plans to continue to scale, 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 where you hit a point where you're like, cool, we, we did it, right? Like this is generating a ton of income. Um, we can we can kind of support ourselves, uh, but, but recognize if you take that path where you want to become, you know, the next household brand in, in, in the country, there's a cost to that right. outside of just, you know, the money that you're pouring into the business. It, it does come with quite a few constraints in terms of, you know, being responsible for a large group of people. 
And, you know, thankfully we, our team is so incredible and so amazing that like, I'm, I'm so proud of our team and I'm so proud that we can uh, have a business and a brand that, you know, helps others grow their careers and, and, uh, and supports and supports others, but it definitely comes with quite a cost and, and a lot of, of stresses as well. And, and that's something that I didn't really think about until we hit a point where, wow, we have employees and this is serious now. And, you know, we can't, we can't mess this up. Right. It just yeah. creates a new, a new layer of, um, stress and, and also excitement. What was that number? Like, and maybe rough estimates, fine, but like, was it a certain revenue that you guys got to that point where we're like, we got something special here. If we want to commit to this and try to make it one of those household names, here's what it's going to become. Or are we comfortable with this? Was you know a certain amount of T-shirts that you had sold by that yeah. point? I don't know if it was a certain number or not. I, I, I think it was. I mean, every year that like the business would grow, like. 200%, I was, I would think to myself, like, this is going to start slowing down, right? Like, there's no way this is tenable. And then it just, the, the, it's more the numbers that go into the business become a bit more real where you start looking at like, whoa, I'm like, you know, spending six figures a month on Facebook. Right. But obviously it like, you know, that is the lifeblood of what we were, you know, of, of our revenue was that that Facebook or marketing spend. Yeah. And I think that once that number becomes real, that you you understand like, okay, like in order to, to keep this up, because really most D2C businesses, you know, they're they're based on a few like simple kind of math formulas. And I'm not a mathematician, but it's basically like how how cheaply can you acquire your customer? You know, what, what is their, their initial, you know, their average order value going to be that first order that they come in. So, you know, balancing like how much you're spending on order one to, you know, how much revenue is coming in from that customer on order number one. And then it's how often are they able to come back? Like what, what sort of like revenue can we project for, you know, Joe, when he comes in and makes that first purchase with like, you know, a cost of customer acquisition at X, like, can we assume why over 12 months or 24 months? And um, I think that as you start kind of scaling into that and realizing that, you know, in order to keep growing and growing and growing, you need to keep building that customer base, right? Because, you know, not a hundred percent of your customers that you acquire are going to come back, yeah. you know, for a second or a third purchase. Right. Um, that's just, you know, any brand, there's no brand that, you know, people like buy once and they're like, I'm buying forever. You know what I mean? There's just too many great brands out there that people want to try different things or, you know, the fit might be slightly off or they might like a different color at another brand. And so, you know, you, with our business specifically, I think we hit a point where we realized that we are either going to grow and continue to scale, or we could keep it flat, have a great lifestyle business for a number of years. But at some point, unless we kept growing, that business was going to die. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was less about a dollar amount. And it was more about a recognition that, hey, we found something that guys really love, like, you know, the reviews and, and, and feedback that we had from customers was just like, hey, this t-shirt makes me feel some kind of way, right? In a positive, like emotional response, which I would never anticipate from a t-shirt, but it was it was making guys feel confident, making guys feel good. And then I was like, okay, this is awesome. We need to get 
more of these shirts on more guys so that we can continue to grow and fuel this beast that we've created now. And so I think it was more of that recognition. And, and, and that's what led to our, our partnership with uh, our VC uh, Guild Capital was it was less about the, the, the money. We didn't need the money. Mm. We, we needed some help to like understand the landscape of how to scale a business you know, to, you know, potentially become this household name that we're trying to, to, to work towards now. Well, thank you for sharing that. So a couple of quick tactical questions for maybe somebody that this is sparking, you know, interest, right? Knowing that you can make this happen. Like, where would you say some of the, I don't know if it's like software, technology or platforms, if somebody wants to, you know, begin, where should they start researching or, or where did you guys begin? And has it probably evolved, I'm sure, as it's scaled, but anything that comes to mind first that you can share. We started on like a really small platform that was dedicated for more subscription. And then only after like two, three years did we see like, hey, actually Shopify makes a lot more sense for us. And so I think that like for the most part, if you're looking to start specifically a business that is selling you know, goods on the internet, Shopify is probably the most likely starting place for yeah. people. Um, and they've got a ton of free resources out there. Um, and it is really easy to kind of like, you know, go on, pick a theme, excuse me, get creative, like build your site. Like you can do all of this stuff on your own, right? Like you don't need to spend a ton of money on designers and developers and agencies. Like, you know, we, we, we have people that do that now for us. But when we started, I mean, our, our original website was like something that, I put together with like a, you know, you know, drag and drop page builder that was like figuring out products and, you know, writing every single piece of copy on the site. And, um, and so I think that the, one of the reasons that we've become successful or that we have been successful is that we've never taken any shortcuts, right? Like we've always put in the legwork. We've done every job you can possibly do in this company, right? Like we've done it all. So anyone that comes in that asks a question about whether it's like, hey, I'm like, you know, a new customer experience agent. I'd love to like, you know, ask you a question about this. Like I've done that. Right. I've answered customer service tickets like day in and day in, day out. Like we've packed orders ourselves like, you know, we've prepared we've prepared like large B2B orders when we've shipped them to warehouses, you know, so we've done everything that you can possibly do in the business. And so I would just implore people to not try to take the shortcuts because it feels like a sexier, quicker route to get to success. Um, you know, I think that we probably could have scaled more quickly or we could have scaled faster had we like invested more time and resource and, and cash into building a team earlier. But ultimately, I don't think we would be as successful as we are today because we, we, we like laid the foundation and understood how all of these pieces work together. So, I mean, you know, if you're looking to sell stuff online, create a D2C brand, hey, it's a really challenging time to do that between like the economic market and like Facebook ads and Apple iOS. There's a ton of like, it's an uphill battle. I'm not yeah. saying it's, it's an, you know, you can definitely still do it. You can definitely still make it work um, with hard work, but just read as much as you can. There's tons of free advice out there on the internet. There's case studies that Shopify puts up. There's like case studies on all different tech stacks or like Facebook ads or fulfillment or, you know, th there, there are so many free resources out there and just spend time 
reading and, and educating yourself while doing, and you're, you'll be able to create a successful business. Is there any book that comes to mind for you that you read as you were going through this journey that really stood out or, or something that you think helped make an impact? And I've read a lot of books. Like I'm not a huge fan of just like strictly like business mm-hmm. books. Um, I, I mean, I've read a book called Unwork that I think was, was really interesting. I, I forget the author's names there, but the the book that stands out to me is shoe dog which is the founder of nike yeah um, phil knight and and to me that was really interesting um just because you get an understanding of like that brand has just taken years and years and years and years of blood sweat and tears to get to what it has become today and i think people get jaded by the explosive e-commerce growth that we've seen in the last five to 10 years that, you know, you can start a business tomorrow and have it doing a hundred million in revenue in five years, right? Like you look at, you know, uh, uh, close friends of, of, of mine and yours, you know, Chase Fisher at, at Blenders and, um, you know, these guys, you, you can start a business and grow it to like nine figures in revenue very, very quickly in today's age, but it's really all of the, the challenges that we're seeing in today's landscape are making it more difficult to do that again. But that is, I think it's just kind of leveling ourselves out to, to the mean in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. Nike took, you know, 40, 50 years to get to where they are today. Lululemon took like years and years and years to get to where they are today. And so it is okay to grow a little bit less quickly if you're going to do it correctly. Um, and so that was the biggest piece that I think I got from shoe dog was that, you know, he was, you know, essentially going, you know, store to store, selling, selling running shoes, you know, and then like working on developing the first pair of Nikes and, and working on getting those onto the right athletes and finding those athletes. And so to me, it's, it's that journey and, and understanding that the journey is really like can be a long one and and you have to be disciplined and you have to be patient and you have to just understand and pick and choose your, your moments to kind of like go for it. Cause if you just go all in very quickly, like you could blow up very quickly or you could be a success really quickly also. But I think that you're giving yourself far more of a chance if you're taking your time and trying to do things the right way, every step of the way. Yeah. What about the initial, I guess, uh, influencer, right? Phil Knight going to the track meets and finding people just to rock the shoes. And that's how it started out. It was was so fascinating. I I really love that book. Yeah, it really was. But I, I appreciate and you know, how you put the, the patience and persistence and just, you know, knowing that it's not going to happen overnight. You know, yes, there's those great success stories and yes, definitely shout out blenders, big fan as well, but it's, this instant gratification era that we're kind of in right now, right? Everybody wants to have that, you know, hit, get rich quick scheme and they think theirs is the best idea ever and it's going to take off. And don't get me wrong, some people will have those, but more often than not, what's the range of outcomes for you? And typically, if you're willing to put in the work and continue to do it day in and day out and know that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen if you work hard and continue that is, is critical for anybody, whatever brand or company or even, you know, role that you're playing within work and, and life. It's funny. It, it, one of the, one of the only times that, uh, my wife, Melissa gives me a hard time is, um, when I will talk through all of the worst case scenario planning that goes through <laughs> my head. 
And I'm like, well, we could do this. And then if this happens, then we can do this. And why are you thinking so negatively? Like everything's going fine. Why are you even thinking about those things? And, and that is just how I'm programmed to always be. And I, I think that's kind of, um, you know, the, the, the more I learn about fatherhood and, and, you know, my relationship with my son and the way that we raise Frankie, the more I come back to that because I'm constantly like worst case scenario planning, right? Like, yeah. You know, what happens if, if he does this, like, what am I going to do then? And, you know, what happens if he does that? Like, what, what, what will I do there? And so I'm constantly thinking of like, what happens if things don't go the way that we intend them to, so that if something does go poorly, I feel like I've already got a plan for it. <laughs> well, they say that's usually like your biggest strength and your bigness, biggest weakness, right? Like somebody that has that mindset, we would be a good yin and yang because I'm the total opposite. I'm like positivity, thinking the best case scenario is going to happen <laughs> each and every time. And sometimes, you know, I have to kind of get back from, you know, being in the clouds a little bit. But it's, you know, oh, my daughter, she learned how to say, you know, count to 10 in Spanish. She's going to be a genius. And it's like, <laughs> all right, we all think that. Uh, but, you know, anyways, it's funny to, to be able to put it in perspective of like, all right, that you got to have that yin and the yang, especially when you get into the parenting aspect of this outside of business. So I know we've uh, got a little bit of time left. So I would be curious to talk about parenting just a little bit with somebody sure. like yeah. yourself. What's the best piece of parenting advice that you've ever received? Anything that come to mind first? Yeah. I've gotten so much great parenting advice. I don't know if there's one thing in particular that has really stood out. I, I mean, I think that for me, it comes down to like, you know, I just, I try to just show my son unconditional love all the time. And, um, you know, I, I we, we have a very, you know, I think loving kind of family unit, my, my parents and uh, my, my father and, and my mom, like always supported me in what I wanted to do with my life, right? Like it was a very unconventional career path that I've taken, whether it was like, you know, working in the poker industry or starting a business, it certainly wasn't like a suit and tie, like go to law school and, and kind of like do what I wanted to do. And, and that, that is bred from my parents really kind of being supportive of, of whatever it was that I, that, drove me towards happiness. And so um, I think that I'm trying to kind of instill that in, in our son. It's like, you know, he's two right now. So I don't think he knows what he wants right. to do other than like, you know, in his head, he like loves firefighters. So I'm like, oh, cool, dude, like go be a firefighter. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so I think it's just that, you know, ability to, to allow your child to make some mistakes and, 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 and essentially like be who they are. Um, and I think that is, is the piece that I kind of constantly am reminded of, um, as, as I go through this very early stages of, of being a dad. Yeah. That's so tough too, because it's so much easier said than done, I think. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to your parents for giving you that unconditional love to go chase your dreams and, and go on a unique path. That's obviously led you to where you're at now, but yeah, I'm sure your son's going to be able to feel that too. So happy to hear that. What, what's the latest milestone at the house? What's Frankie doing most recently? Two? He's, he just turned two on, on June 9th. So, I mean, he is just talking up a storm right now. Um, you know, we, we actually, this is more of a milestone for Melissa and I, but I think it's unlocked quite a lot for him as well. Like, um, 
you know, we live in Pacific Beach in San Diego. So we're, we're about Beautiful. four blocks from the beach. And our world on the weekends typically consists of the coffee shops, the beach, and like the various establishments in like a, you know, a playgrounds in a, in a mile to mile and a half radius that our stroller could kind of maneuver. And we've recently both gotten, Melissa just got me a new bike, a new beach cruiser with like a big bike, uh, baby or car seat or child seat on the back of it. And so, so cool. I feel like I've been playing, you know, a video game for the last, you know, two years where there's a world outside of this like zone that exists, but I haven't yet to like touch it or feel it. And now all of a sudden we've just been going on these like epic bike rides all around San Diego with Frankie in tow, you know, on, on my back basically. And, um, and it just feels like this next level, like the, we've leveled up, so to speak as, yeah. as parents, because I think that you can very easily, you know, between COVID and, and all of the things that are going on that are challenges to parenting today, you know, you, you are in a bubble for, for better or for worse. And so I feel like being out of that bubble for the first time in a few years, like just feels so fantastic. And I can see, you know, Frankie kind of like getting excited by the new places that we're going and, you know, the new things that he's doing. And, um, you know, we, he, he, we, we rented a boat the other day and he was just like, you know, loving every second of being out on the water. And nice. so I think it's just that ability to just kind of like adventure and, and and get out of your comfort zone which is you know really like everything in life and we've been trying to kind of do that more with with frankie and it's it's been very rewarding um on on the weekends for sure so a question for you what brand not that it really matters the brand but we're thinking about the same thing like getting a bike taking it around it's you know we don't get the cruise down to pb up here in, in northern california but uh would love to start doing There's that a cool uh, so i bought a beach cruiser for melissa it's, they're called priority bikes or priority bicycles. And they're, um, they're all made from like rust free pieces. So there's oh. like the chain is not like metal. It's like, I don't know what it's actually made from. It's super lightweight. And, um, you know, we have like a kind of a pseudo garage at our house where it's like, it's really a carport with open sides, but it's like a, a regular garage due to random zoning around uh, San Diego. So, our, our previous beach cruisers just got destroyed from, even though they were in this like carport, just the ocean air and, right. the, and the, the salt water was just destroying them. And so uh, these priority bicycles don't rust and they kind of like have maintained. And um, I believe that the the seat that we put on the back of his bike was from their website as well. So prior, I think they're actually like a, an up and coming D2C brand as well. So uh, nice. kudos to them because they're crushing it. Um, the bikes are really comfortable and they basically ship them to local bike shops around the country. So then they ship them there and they like the bike shop, you know, our local bike shop got it and put it together and, you know, assembled everything. And then we just went and picked it up. And so, um, yeah, priority bicycles. I'll have to check that out. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, last one, this is just fun for me as a former San Diego state guy, best burrito PB, where are you going? Man, I think it's probably due to proximity for me, but Taco Surf is really like the go-to for uh, for me. Um, we also, you know, our office is in La Jolla and we've got um, like uh, Puesto is right next door. So that's like the fancy, like expensive burrito is Puesto and, and the kind of like, you know, getting home at, uh, you know, 1 a.m. after a night out burrito is, is Taco Surf. 
Oh, plenty of times at Taco Surf. Actually, uh, our good friend Braden Moreno is the one that uh, used to turn me on to that place. So, oh, nice. <laughs> shout out. I'm a La Playa fan down there around Mission Beach, if you've been to that one, or Mission Bay. Uh, I have, actually. That, that That's pretty fantastic as well. It's just more of a stretch out there to get out there. <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful one on a bike ride from where you're at, it I, is. I can really only is. assume. Well, I got to say thank you again. I can't reiterate that enough. Really appreciate you coming on today. Um, you know, just getting started with this to be able to hear some ideas, not only how to launch a brand, but even this, a podcast, right? So I've got a lot that I can learn from you. Um, and I can tell you love helping others, like being so gracious with your time of somebody that's, you know, podcast one, two, three is just in the beginning. So thank you. Anything? Yeah, thank you, man. I, I love doing this sort of thing. And, and honestly, like, you know, there were so many people that, I probably bothered or asked questions or felt like I was like, you know, annoying when we started our business. And, you know, some people were very gracious with their time and really, really helpful. And I will always remember and be thankful to those people that like helped me every step of the way. And then to the flip side, there was a lot of people that like their time is, you know, extremely valuable and it was really difficult to get their time and fully respect that. Um, But, you know, when I looked at like, you know, what, how do I want to move forward with my life and like the next stage of, of this as, as we become a brand that people recognize and ask questions and people reach out, like, I want to be the guy that's helping, you know, the, the next wave of entrepreneurs come and, and be great entrepreneurs. Because to me, like yeah, helping others and, and, uh, and especially like giving advice to business owners, like I love doing that. And, and I love seeing people become successes and seeing their ideas flourish from, you know, you know, a, a notepad to something real. So, um, yeah, I, I was really uh, excited to get introduced to you or get introduced uh, to, to you by Braden and, you know, love that it's a new project. And I thought like, this is a really cool concept of fatherhood and, and you know, entrepreneurship and business. And so um, really, really kudos to you for, for getting, getting things going. Cause the hardest part is just starting. And, you know, once you start, you know, the sky's the limit, but you have to start. And so um, really, really appreciative of your time and, and having me on and looking forward to seeing uh, your podcast become a great success. Oh, well, it means the world to me. And everybody, please go check out. Uh, I can't wait to see the new website, by the way, and the new threads that are coming out. Um, Freshcleantees.com. And then, you know, in a few months time, we'll, it'll be freshcleantees.com for, for the foreseeable future with a brand name called Fresh Clean Threads uh, very, very soon. But freshcleantees.com. Yeah. Well, highly encourage any dads out there, check it out. And any moms trying to buy something for the dads, this is the shirt to go get. So again, thank you, Matthew. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. All right, see ya. And that's a wrap for episode three. I hope you all learned a few things from Matthew to help inspire you to launch that passion project you've been thinking about and turn it into a thriving DTC brand. Even better, I hope it gives you the confidence to go do it with your significant other. Huge shout out to Matthew for giving listeners of this podcast a 20% discount off their first purchase when you type in FitFo20 at checkout. So go take a look at the website, freshcleantees.com. I personally love the Eco Fresh Crew Neck and the Short Sleeve Henley has become a staple for date night with me and my wife. If you want to learn more about Matthew, you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew Parvis. As always, if you like the show, I'd be honored for you to leave a review, share this with your favorite father and friends, hit that subscribe button and tell me what you thought. 
And if you want more content from me, please follow along on Instagram at BDuzco, B-D-U-Z-C-O. So thanks again for tuning in. Now go be great and go fitfo some shit out.